What do you need to know to successfully use voluntary benefits to help your large group clients construct an effective benefits program? We'll find out on part two of our look at voluntary benefits on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is sponsored by the Protect Plans. All level premium and maximum funded plans offer employers the chance to earn refunds when claims are less than expected. But the Protect Plans help deliver on that promise with their unique refund assisters. Learn more at www.protectplans.info. This episode is part two of our look at voluntary benefits. This time we've invited Frank Doherty and Brian Jund, who are co-founders of National Benefit Partners, to chat about their particular area of specialization, which is the large group market. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, good to be here. Thanks, David. Thank you, David. Now, last week, we discussed the 10 to 250 size group market. So from a historical perspective, um, we'll talk an awful lot about what's going on today and in the future as we go along. But from a historical perspective, how have large groups used voluntary benefits? How have those employers looked at that offering? And how does that differ from small group? I think at the uh, if you go back, maybe even a little bit further than that, the large group market uh, was generally ignoring the voluntary benefits. And if you then track it over the last 10 to 15 years, the market has dramatically increased in particular in the what, what I would call the, the core voluntary products as opposed to the core benefits. But uh, when you think about STD, a permanent life option, critical illness in the last five to 10 years in particular, and then accident insurance, which has been a, a stable in the worksite market for a number of years, those four products really have picked up an awful lot of, of presence in the large case market in the last, like I said, 15, 20 years. More recently, with consumer-driven health care and with the ACA legislation, it's become far more mainstream than ever before. I think probably the most significant change is the dichotomy that used to exist between the benefit space and the core benefit, meaning the, the healthcare side of the house. They were worlds apart. Today, it's really benefits in general as opposed to voluntary benefits and core benefits. Benefits are treated as one entity as opposed to two separate categories. Would you say that that's necessarily a difference from the small group? Do you think small, the small group employers still see it as two different pieces? I think the small group employers have, have always been far more involved with the with the voluntary benefit space because their core benefit offerings have been not as robust as a large group. So they felt that the offering of voluntary benefit was part and parcel of their benefit package, and they would have to use that to attract and retain people into their organizations, even though they might be small, to offer the benefits. And I think the in the last 40, 50 years, the small case market has been alive and well in the voluntary benefit space. So a, a common misconception then would be that large group employers have been kind of the leaders in this space. That's interesting. Putting it that way, I think you're right. I think the large group have kind of dragged their feet with voluntary benefits up until the last 10, 15 years. And more recently, as five or six years, they see voluntary benefits as part of their mainstream benefit offering. 
Now, you mentioned ACA. ACA has obviously increased that trend in the small group. You seeing the same thing in the large group? Do you think that's one of the key drivers or and are there other drivers that are you know, that you would use to account for that kind of an increase in interest? I think the ACA has in general driven the brokerage community much closer to voluntary benefits. The core benefit world, as we all know, has changed dramatically in recent years in terms of product design and also in terms of compensation paid to the brokers. Those two characteristics, design of the healthcare with consumer-driven healthcare, increasing deductibles and co-pays and co-insurance, leaves gaps in coverage. And those gaps in coverage need to be covered or the solutions need to be voluntary benefits to help fill those gaps with those employees that want to take and take and offload some of their own risk now with their core benefits. The other side of the equation is on the brokerage side. Most of the core benefit health brokers have either capitated their commissions with along with capitating their, their designs and, and or are going much toward, toward a fee-based uh, structure. So the economics of the brokerage business has changed uh, negatively. They've, they've decreased in recent years as a result. And it puts a higher degree of focus for offering voluntary benefits and also provides an increase in economic opportunity to the, to the broker in doing so. So the brokers are, in the large case marketers, are seeing this as, again, part and parcel of their total benefit offering far more than they ever have in the past. I would add to that, in addition to being hit in the pocketbook because of ACA and medical loss ratios with commissions, that really the Affordable Care Act has, has really lowered the bar of what's considered an acceptable health insurance plan within an employer group, large or small. These bronze or even silver plans, which have very high deductibles, co-insurance, co-pays, minimum values, et cetera, put a lot of financial responsibility on the employees. So voluntary benefits have always been a complementary component of a medical plan, and it's just more so now because of that lowering of the bar of what's considered an acceptable health plan because of ACA. You mentioned early on that traditionally there were kind of four really core voluntary benefits, short-term disability, permanent life, critical illness, and accident. What are some of the newer voluntary benefits that we're seeing come to market? Sure, I'll I'll take that one, Frank. We've seen a huge uptick in identity theft protection, from insurance to telemedicine, really non-traditional insurance products and services have really come to the forefront. Because if you look at the marketplace, just about all of the carriers, group or worksite carriers, manufacture now voluntary benefits. So they are um, becoming a little bit more commoditized themselves. So you're starting to see some of these non-insurance products like those that I mentioned come more to the forefront as an available option for employee benefits. I read recently that there are even such things as that we're starting to see financial wellness benefits being offered on a voluntary platform. Is it getting that esoteric, guys? We, we haven't seen a lot in our business. I think that's still pretty much out there in terms of it's a newer product in the last, I'm going to say, 18 to 20 months, but we haven't truly seen a lot of it. There's it's sort of like going back to your, your question right before that, there's three categories maybe of, of voluntary benefits. I'm kind of making this answer up as you're asking me, but I think the core is the ones that we had already mentioned originally. And then the, the second level is what you referred to, what Brian referred to as the non-traditional solution-based voluntary benefits like a telemedicine and the identity theft. And then even maybe pet insurance and legal insurance would be in there. 
somewhere, I'm leaving vision and dental off to the side. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then there's this third category of what else can we provide to the employees to make the employee's life better, which may make the employer's life better for making, because you're going to end up with a happier employee. And I think the wellness, financial wellness is in that category still. It's like wealth management. There was modules years ago that a lot of companies tried to bring into the work site where you zero in on the top executives of a company that were making X amount of dollars or more, and you'd bring a wealth management tool to the table. And that reached some degree of, I would say, medium to less than stellar performance. In the large group space, is technology a key component? Has that become kind of table stakes for for brokers and companies that want to play in that space? Absolutely. It's not a question of whether you have a technology platform, especially in a large case marketplace. It's which one do you have? And do you have a full benefit admin system or do you have an enrollment system? And what is in most of them, once you get above a thousand lives, most carriers have a Ben admin platform. And now the Ben Admin platforms are, are moving into the HRIS world where it's all one packaged program where you've got payroll, benefits, HR functionality completely in one particular platform. And you use the platform for many things beyond just annual enrollment, but that would be the mainstay of it would be the annual enrollment. Then you have the maintenance of the enrollment, and then you have an ongoing HR IS function that can be tied into it as well. And then some of them either outsource and bring a payroll uh, service into that platform or they've got it on the platform. But there's no question that technology is is driving the day. Brian, you want to add anything to that? Well, yeah. And just as part of that technology, it's compliance and ACA eligibility and reporting are really a key concern of HR professionals and even business owners. So that's another component of technology that will play, continue to play a huge part of what outlet they choose. And the small group market, even there, we're starting to see less and less one-on-one enrollment. But just for a benchmark for our listeners, do take-up rates vary significantly in the large group market from the small group market or individual enroller to using electronic systems? Yeah, I don't think there's any, any question about that. David, if you look at the evolution of enrollment going back again, 25, 35, almost 40 years ago, the voluntary space was dominated by one-on-one eyeball-to-eyeball enrollment. And then about 10, 15 years ago, it kind of evolved into, let's get into a call center mode, especially in a large case market. The large case market, if you think about the history of why voluntary benefits, we talked about that earlier, was not as prevalent in the large case market in the past. The idea of having a team of enrollers go in and sit down with every employee within an organization, many of which are multi-state, became a logistical nightmare and was really pushed, there was a lot of pushback from the employer in terms of doing that. So then the next kind of evolution of, of enrollment became call centers. And there's a handful of call centers that evolved out of the voluntary benefit specialist world where they created and developed a call center and the call centers were then used on a for a voluntary benefit enrollment and also were used for some core benefit enrollments as a backup for service questions and also questions about core benefits. That then evolved into a, I'm guessing I'm saying maybe 10 years ago when the the real technology started to be almost a self-service where you've got a, and again in recent years, in the last three to five years, that's really come to the forefront, where you've got a totally self-service enrollment where the employee goes online, enrolls for his core benefits, and also enrolls for the voluntary benefits. And there's zero interaction with any representative. 
there's some variations of that theme or combinations of the theme where the person can go online and if they have a question, they can pick up the phone and call a live person and get on, have a conversation about the event. There's other ones where actually there's a, it's a agent assisted enrollment where you have a call center agent call up the employee and walk the employee. The employee then gets online where they are on their laptop and walks them through the enrollment process. So that's a little bit of a combination of eyeball to eyeball. All three of those, to answer your earlier question, have dramatically different rates of participation. And obviously, the eyeball to eyeball, you're going to get the most amount of participation. And the self-service, you're going to get the least amount. And now, a word from our sponsor. The Protect Plans, a safe and simple fixed-cost self-funded medical coverage program with refund assisters, is getting a lot of attention. And that's not surprising, given the growing popularity of level premium plans and the fact that the Protect Plans arrive with a whole new approach. The well-deserved buzz about the Protect Plan is from more than just the included wellness and transparency programs, and it's about more than their competitive pricing, strong national network from Aetna, AM best-rated A stop-loss carriers, and sophisticated underwriting. What's really intriguing about the Protect Plans is how they seem to hit that sweet spot you need for your clients. The people behind the Protect Plans say that's because they listen to brokers while designing the program. That's not really surprising, given that two of those behind the Protect Plans are Trey Wild and Alan Katz, both past NAHU presidents. They've been listening to and supporting brokers for decades. To see what happens when a health plan actually listens to brokers, head on over to www.protectplans.info. After the conclusion of the podcast, of course. We all know that employee education drives engagement. Do a lot of the better systems that you guys see have onboard decision support tools to help employees who aren't getting that eyeball-to-eyeball enrollment experience decide which benefits make the most sense for themselves and their families? Yeah, they, they definitely do. And albeit they're probably still not where we need to be from a decision support tool perspective. But they, they do have them out there and they are educating the end user or the employee of why they need, say, a, a hospital indemnity plan with a high deductible health plan or an accident or sort of critical and walk them through that. And it's becoming a little bit more intuitive as far as the technology so it can actually look at what medical plans they've enrolled in and then suggest what voluntary benefits they should be considering. And then they've used things like avatar and videos to help make it more personal from coaching and, and explaining the benefits. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's where we need to be doing a little bit better job because in the large case market, a lot of it's going to be dictated on a self-service basis. So how do we close that gap to provide the right information? Voluntary benefits still really need to be sold and do that through technology and, and have the affirmation that the employee is looking for at the end of the enrollment or at the end of the process to say, yes, I done right. I made the right decisions for me and my family. And so those tools are out there, but certainly need to be, I think there's a long, long way to go until it's perfected. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. I think it's almost the holy grail, David, that people are trying to chase. What's going to be the, the right platform driven by the technology to really make the enrollment a success in terms of participation and getting the right kind of message out. So I agree with Brian 100%. And we're, we're clearly not there yet. It's amazing that for an industry that's as old and as entrenched in people's lives as we are, that some of the technology is lagging. But it is coming along. You fellows work with loads of large group advisors. I know that's the, the core to what you guys do. 
So help us out here. When consultants are recommending voluntary benefits, what are some of the hurdles that they have to overcome? And how do you fellows counsel them to have effective one-on-one conversations with employers, whether they're clients or prospects? It starts with what really what the broker is already doing for his client in the core benefit side to try to understand what's being offered. You then fill in supplement what's being offered or complement what's being offered. That's step one. You got to understand what they have. You then step back and you say, what would be the appropriate core voluntary products to blend well and to complement their existing core benefit offering? And then the next step would be to come to a decision about which carriers, which product design, should it be on a group chassis? Most of the time, that's what you want to go with is is to have the products built on a group chassis as opposed to the old days where they were individual products. And then you want to negotiate a, a very as competitive an, an underwriting offer as you possibly can with the particular carriers. And then the next step is to bring those products to the table into their uh, into their client and develop a very good implementation and communication game plan. And whether it's going to be with a technology-driven solution, which most of the time it is, or a combination of one-on-one with employees or agent-assisted with a call center. You know, commission compression is, is real, and it's something that we talk about an awful lot on the program. With that kind of in mind and with a lot of benefit advisors moving to adding voluntary benefits, some even specializing in that area, a lot of our listeners may not have dipped their toe in that water yet. In the large group market, typically, how do commissions work, and does it vary from how the small group market works? I think at this point, the commission levels with the small group and the large group are, are pretty much the same. I think that's an evolution, and it's, it's from a future point of view, is going to be changing. And I think we're going to see leveling of commissions much more frequently than we, we have in the past. The commission is going to be a challenge as we go forward because the participation in a large group, we're talking between 1,000 and 20,000 eligible lives when we talk about the large group market and a couple of jumbo market sizes. When you talk about the participation in those groups is going to be lower than what the pricing of the products were originally manufactured for. That's going to put pricing pressure on the products and also on commissions to lower the commissions in general and potentially to levelize the commissions. And I, I think you could probably argue it both ways. The core benefit brokers are used to a level commission. Voluntary benefit specialists are not. The reason they're not is because the need for enrollment with voluntary benefits is far greater than the need for enrollment with core benefits because it's because they are voluntary. So you have to be able to pay for the initial enrollment and also make sure that you get the participation that you're going to need. So I think the commissions are, like I said, they're, they're going to be moving lower and they're going to be much more levelized. Just like the rest of the industry, every, everything's in flux. Gentlemen, we, we've got about a minute left and maybe a minute and a half or so. And I, I always like to ask where our guests see the future in their particular area of expertise. So define it however you want. What do you, what do you see coming? I think voluntary benefits have always been a complementary component of the medical plan. And when you think about it, whether the employer pays 100% partial or none of it, they're all benefits being offered to the employees. And the employer is the curator of those benefits and, and delivering them internally or through an exchange. It's, it, in fact, employers are looking for their employers to be more paternalistic when it comes to employee benefits. So employees are, or have a number of options out there, and ACA is really only confused matters. So employees are turning to their employers to ask them to figure out what's available in the marketplace, filter the options so that it's best in class, 
and provide them really a menu of benefits for them to choose from because choice is very important as every employee is different with different needs. So curate an employee benefit program with choices that help fill the needs of a dynamic workforce. Yeah, and I, I like your terminology where employees are looking for the employers to be more paternalistic than they have been. That goes way, way back where employers almost, it was a cradle to grave kind of a providing of benefits. And now I think you're right that employees are kind of throwing a hand up and saying, you know, what do I need? Where do I go? How do I do it? What's the best product for this particular choice? And I think the future, to answer your question, David, of voluntary benefits, I think is very, very bright. The ACA has really increased the awareness and highlighted the need to provide a quality best-in-class portfolio of voluntary benefits to coordinate and complement with the core benefit offerings. A great place to leave a very interesting discussion. I, gentlemen, I hope you'll come back another time and we can further our conversation. Frank Doherty and Brian Judd, co-founders of National Benefit Partners. Thank you, fellas. Thank you, Thank David. You. Appreciate it. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Shift Shapers to work in your business.